Been very aware of this verse. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. If Jesus spent 40 days talking to his disciples about the kingdom of God, it was obvious that it was a very important subject to him. And he wanted his disciples to really grasp hold of this. Much of what he spoke about in his life was about the kingdom of God. If you read through the Gospels, you'll see the importance. And we could spend weeks studying this subject, but I just want to pick out one or two points today. Last week, Ricky spoke about the I Am claims of Jesus. And one of them that he used was Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way into the throne room. I'm the way to God. I am the door into the kingdom. It's not about how big is your church or comparing the size. We shouldn't be comparing size. What is important is, where are we in the kingdom? Do we want to bring people into the kingdom to have a relationship with God? Or just, do we want to just bring them along to be numbers on a seat, being fed? and not doing anything with it. Jesus said to Nicodemus, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. And without this new life, repentance, believing, we cannot be part of God's kingdom. The way into the kingdom is through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and rose again for us that we might have eternal life, that we might have a relationship with God, that we'll have that relationship forever, now on this earth and in the future. Jesus also said when he was debated, debating with the Pharisees, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. In other words, it's the rule and reign of God in your life. The kingdom of God is about the rule and reign of God. It's in you. Are you allowing God to rule in your life? Or are you allowing others to? Jesus also said, don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink. Jesus said, don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. It's important that we seek God. Focus on more on God than all the things of the world. This week, Brian and I flew down to the Isle of Wight with his friend, and I'd been praying about what I should speak about, and I was thinking, well... I really ought to be at home preparing. But I said to God, all right, if we're going out for the day, please show me something that you want to say. And as I looked out of the window, I was reminded of one of the temptations of Jesus. When Jesus took Satan up onto a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and how he said to him, I'll give you all of this if only you'll bow down and worship me. Now, from a high mountain, you don't see a lot. 
you'll only see a certain amount. From an aeroplane, you can see a little bit more, as you can see. But that's only a tiny little bit of the whole of the United Kingdom. It looks quite distant, but it's only a tiny little bit. It's still limited. And what Satan was offering Jesus was not a lot. If you think of it in those terms, he wasn't offering him much at all. But what it would have caused if Jesus had accepted that was slavery. He would have been subject to Satan for life. He would have been bound forever. Fancy offering him, him, the Son of God, Jesus, the Son of God, such a pittance. You know, I'll give you all this. Just do what I want you to do. Jesus knew what to say because he was first in the scripture. It is written, do not tempt the Lord your God. When we submit to Satan, we come under slavery in the same way. But when we submit to Jesus, we find freedom. Somebody quoted a verse this morning about freedom. You know, I I remember way back a verse, in God's service is perfect freedom. Yes, we're serving him, we're following his ways. But you know, we have a tremendous freedom in serving him. We are not in bondage. God wants to keep us free. And he guides us if we allow him. I love this Psalm 139. I found this this week. I was talking to somebody and we came to this verse. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What's in our hearts? Is our heart for the kingdom? Is our heart for the world? Is our heart just for a small part of the kingdom, our little part of the church? There is a difference between kingdom and church. Kingdom is wider. It's God's rule and reign everywhere. Do we want to grow numbers in the church or do we want to introduce people into the kingdom of God? Do we want to see lives set free? If we're living in the kingdom, they see how we behave. And people do look at us. And people do notice. I can remember my first husband saying once, If they're part of the church, I don't want to be part of it. What an indictment. People see what we're like. Jesus gave us examples of how to behave. When he washed the disciples' feet, he was showing servanthood. It's not about being top dog. It's about getting out there and serving. And Jesus said, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. Go out and serve. Serve in your community. Serve where you are, in your family. Notice those upside down ways of the kingdom. The serving instead of being served. The last shall be first. This is a great hallmark 
being humble, being there for others. Think of those who are regularly serving in the churches in Basildon, and it's the churches in Basildon, with the street pastors, the drop-in, 58-7, cap. This is being kingdom-minded. This is living kingdom life. And there may be other examples that I've missed out. I wonder what I'm doing. Could I do more? It's a question we could all ask ourselves, isn't it? Another example of how to live. Jesus said, love your neighbour as yourself. Being loving is a sign of kingdom living. It's easy to love those that are your friends, that you get on with. But what about the difficult neighbour? The one that drives you really mad? Come be honest, we've all had them, I've had them. Or the person who's hurt us. It's, I've often said to people, and, and you, you will have heard it because I've spoken it from here before, pray a blessing on the one who's hurt you. It's a tough one. It's not easy. But it's a biblical principle that I've practised and I have seen changes. I've seen those changes. The result may not be always immediate. It may take years. But in the end, you will see that change. And it can take years, but just be patient. Remember, you will see that change. Forgiveness, this is sometimes hard and it ties in with the above. But ask God to give you the strength to forgive. That may take time, but just keep asking God to give you that strength. Don't give up. Keep on asking. Turning the other cheek. That's a tough one, isn't it? You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord your God. Turning the other cheek can be hard. And it's so easy to respond angrily. But what this means is, pray a blessing. Ask God to deal with the situation. You don't have to retaliate. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. Mm, so easy to look at somebody and criticise, isn't it? I'm sure we've all been there. And yet, I'll be honest, I've been there at times. And we all do it. But the aspect of kingdom living is not to criticise, not to judge, but to remember that therefore, but, but for the grace of God, go I. If it weren't for God's grace, I could be in that position. I could be causing harm to others. But God's grace in saving me and changing my lifestyle has made me want to love, to forgive, to pray a blessing. And it's only as we follow his ways that we don't fall into the same traps as others. We have to be on the alert. Again, on our flight on Wednesday, I was reminded of things 
When Brian's flying, he's in constant contact with the air traffic during the flight. They tell him when other aircraft is around, but he also needs to be watching. And he was watching on Wednesday and saw a plane coming towards us and was ready to move, just as that plane turned off. But he had to be alert, he had to watch out for the dangers as we were flying. Didn't fancy going to the ground because he hadn't watched. But the Bible tells us to be along on the alert for Satan. He'll try and make us fall too. And in Peter we find this verse, discipline yourselves, keep alert. Be looking out, be looking for those traps. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Satan is always trying to trap us. He delights when we fall, but we need to be on that alert so that we don't fall into those traps. Air traffic warns you if you stray into areas you shouldn't be in. They're there to guide you. There was a story recently of a man who flew with his friend. The friend was a pilot, but halfway through the flight he became unconscious and the man had to fly the plane not knowing what to do. He wasn't a pilot. And the people on the ground talked him through the instructions to land. He maintained contact with the traffic controllers. They talked him down and he came down safely. If he hadn't had this contact, he would have been in a mess. He wouldn't have had a clue what to do. And, and to me, when I'm up there in the air, it's reassuring knowing that I can hear the air traffic controllers, I can hear all those things going on, because I know that we're in contact with other people. And I think I would panic if I'd got no contact at all. And it's rather like my life as a Christian. If I haven't got that contact with God, if I don't maintain that contact, my life is a mess. Because I go wherever I want. I go wherever I think I should go. And I'm not listening to God. I'm not listening to his guidance. It's not a freedom when I'm going my own way because I'm trapped in, in ways I shouldn't be. But the freedom is in knowing that I've got somebody guiding me. And that to me is a wonderful reassurance. Living in the kingdom is living according to God's ways, not retaliating when people hurt us. I wonder if we lived kingdom lives, if more people were living kingdom lives, whether we'd have the knife crime that we do today. We've been praying this morning for the streets of London. People have prayed that people in London will find God, that they'll know that kingdom life. Let's keep praying that. Let's keep praying that change. And let's believe that that change will come. We want to see people in the kingdom. We want to see new souls saved, people set free from the slavery that they've got. Kingdom life is the father of Stephen Lawrence saying, I completely forgive those people that killed my son. What an amazing person. 
One of our church leaders up in Lancaster, his father, goes around the country, countries I believe, more than one, countries, talking about forgiveness. Why does he do this? Because his daughter was killed in the Lockerbie Air disaster. That man has completely forgiven. His son has completely forgiven. Because they live according to the rules of the kingdom. God is the king of their lives. And they follow his guidance. Matthew 12, 13-16 You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. I said earlier, people are watching us. They see how we behave and react. Our behaviour has an effect on us. I was talking to somebody recently about people coming to her. And, and she, she was saying that people just come and share with me. And I said to her, that's because they see something in you. They see something in you that will allow you to be drawn to. Am I salt and light in the world? If I'm honest, not always. I try to be. But... My humanness comes in at times. But I want to be salt and light in the world. I want to be part of that kingdom living. I want people to be drawn to the king of the kingdom because my life reflects him. The Beatitudes. I love these. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, you're in great company when you're treated badly. 
But I looked at one or two, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the merciful. This is kingdom living. And how can we attain it? Well, you become like the one you spend time with. When we were children, it used to amuse me that my dad and I and my sister and brother would go out. And I remember one day we met an, a teacher, one of our teachers, and, and um, Trish and I and Dad were together. And, and this teacher looked at Dad and he said, isn't Trisha like you? She's just the image of you. And of course we just all burst into fits of laughter because my sister's actually adopted. Had they said it of my mum, we would have understood because she was the daughter of my mum's sister. No relationship to my dad at all, but there, there was this person saying, isn't she like you? She's obviously grown to look like dad. And they say that you grow like the person you're with. You pick up their characteristics, you pick up their traits. Children pick up characteristics as they go on. Children pick up very big characteristics. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not so good. And I've seen both sides of children when I've been working. You see the good sides and you see the, the nice parts, but you see the things that we, and we still haven't picked that one up. But spend time with Satan and you'll soon be showing some awful traits. Spend time with God and you will become salt and light. That time with God, sitting down with him, listening to what he's saying, reading his word, praying. They're the important parts of kingdom living. Praying is an important part of kingdom living. Praying for others. Asking God to show you things. And that's where you get the good characteristics from. Joshua says this. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether it's the gods of your ancestors, which obviously the Israelites had a lot of those, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. In other words, we want to be part of God's kingdom. Joshua challenged the children of Israel as to whom they would serve. And God says to us today, choose who you will serve. My response is, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I want to be part of his kingdom. I want to serve the king of the kingdom. How about you?